How's everybody doing? Y'all good? Really? Really? So glad to hear it. Hey, uh, I hope you're having a good weekend. So good to see you guys. I'm John O. If we haven't met, I'm the family pastor here. So um, if today's your first day, we're extra glad you're here. I would highly encourage you to come back next week. Give us another try when the real pastor's here. But for today, he's in New York. So I'm not going anywhere. So. Yay, hey, yeah, thank you, thank you, glad you care. So uh, go ahead and take out your Bibles. If you have one, if you brought one, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15, okay? Uh, we'll also throw those up on the screen. Uh, if you didn't bring one or don't have a Bible app that you can boot up right now, you can do that too. Uh, my kids ask me, we, we kind of have this ritual, but the nights before I preach, um, I, I share the, my notes with a few people that uh, I trust. Actually, a few of you guys actually read over these things and give suggestions and say, yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. You should really just download one from the internet. And, <laughs> but I also let my wife read through it. And I've started to let my older girls just kind of bounce ideas off them. And, hey, is that a funny joke? And, and um, no, no. <laughs> and yesterday, one of my girls was like, hey, uh, do you get nervous before you go up there? I, no, I, don't, I don't think so. You don't get nervous. Like, I would puke if I went up there. <laughs> you don't get nervous? Like, you should be nervous. I'm like, well, I'm getting nervous. Could you stop? <laughs> and then uh, she tells me um, that, um, oh, poop. It was a good job. It was a good thing. Oh, oh no, that's what I told her, that, um, uh, <laughs> that I'm usually nervous until I say the first thing that I consider a joke. And depending on whether people or not laugh, then it's either, it's either all downhill from there, uh, and I stay nervous, or if I get a good laugh, then I feel good and comfortable. So um, please, thank you, and count on you guys. Now, I don't mean to knock you, but, but historically, the second service doesn't laugh at my stuff as much. So we could, if you guys could work on that, um, that'd be good. But um, not today, because I'm about to tell you about a funeral, okay? Um, not really. Really, we're we're wrapping up a series called Life, and uh, we've talked about several different things. We've talked about finances. We've talked about our thoughts. We've talked about family, and today we're going to talk about eternity. We're going to talk about how our life is designed to impact eternity. I went to a funeral last Monday of a man named Chris, and uh, Chris was sixty-five years, um, eight months, five days. Uh, when he passed away uh, from a brain cancer that had been discovered by him falling down some steps uh, two days before Thanksgiving last year. And so they were trying to figure out why he fell, and they were doing x-rays of things that he had broken and his neck and everything. Then they found stage four um, brain cancer. And so he has been in Atlanta. Uh, he was at Atlanta Medical Center in November, December, and then um, finally passed away um, he had served as, first off, the youth pastor at Palmetto Baptist Church, where he started back in 1986. Um, I went to be the youth pastor there. He was, by this time, he was the worship pastor, and I went to be the youth pastor there in 2003. I got to serve with him for about three years, and um, he was just a good, good guy. Chris had set retirement for September 2017, and... Um, he was, he was, 
He was still in good shape, you know. I mean, other, other than cancer, he was, he, was, he was active. He was fast. He, he drove fast. He walked fast. He chewed fast. He talked fast. He was one of those guys, you, hey, could you slow that down? I need subtitles because I, I don't know what you just said. Um, and uh, he, man, he loved his grandchildren. He had two daughters that he had adopted, and he loved his grandchildren. His grandchildren loved him. One of his grandsons, I don't know if you've seen one of the ESPN viral videos. It's a um, little chubby African-American kid dancing at the Braves game. I don't know if you've seen him. Um, that's his grandson. He was there again last night on the Jumbotron, so um, you, you, pro- you can find it on ESPN. But Anyway, that's his grandson. He was proud of their dancing abilities. He, he loved his, his grandkids, and they loved him. And um, Chris began the, the food pantry at Palmetto Baptist Church, and, and he served like 400 families a month, 400 needy families a month with that food pantry. And his casket, his casket uh, was draped in a quilt that the ladies had made from T-shirts of the 31 mission trips he had led in the past 30 years that he had been uh, the pastor the church, man, and it was just full. There were hundreds of people in that room, and the thing about him, he and his wife, they loved to camp, and so they were preparing for retirement, but not like, not like you and I are thinking about retirement, because like right now, my plans for retirement, there, there's a lot of Netflix and Reese's Cups involved. <laughs> in his case, him and his wife, man, they were, they were going um, to load up. They had a camper, and he has always loved serving with the Georgia Baptist Disaster Relief Team. And this team of people goes all over the country, all over North America, and they clean up after Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina. They, any, any disaster that happens where, people, where the Red Cross would be, the Georgia Baptist Relief, that Disaster Relief Team would be there. And they were going to spend their retirement camping wherever there was a disaster and serving those people. Like, how awesome is that? How cool is that? And then, man, this happens. But Chris lived more for, for more than himself. He lived for more than pleasure. He lived for more than applause. He, he lived for eternity. He knew that one day he was going to stand before his heavenly father and give an account of his life. And he knew that there were things that we do in this life that impacts eternity. And it's not living out retirement collecting seashells and watching the prices right and just being comfortable and trying to stay sick. But it's living out my life before work ends and after work ends, doing things that matter for the kingdom of God and advancing his kingdom and his purposes and living in such a way that makes other people want to know Jesus and serve him. Chris lived for eternity. And yeah, it's easy for us to go to a funeral, and, and I did this the whole time I was sitting there. I'm thinking, man, would this many people come to my funeral? Um, this room, it was, it was full of hundreds of people. And what, what would they say? What would they, what, would, what would they say at my funeral? And it's easy to sit there and think about our legacy and, and does our life matter? Um, but this is more than that. This funeral, sitting there Monday... It really crystallized what it means to live life well and have a life that makes a difference in eternity. Um, so this guy, man, I mean, he lived a life that, that on, a lot of us only hear about. And he certainly did not waste his life. 
And if I want to get to a place, and I want that life, I want an unwasted life, and I believe that you do too. I mean, I want that for you. Your Heavenly Father wants that for you. God wants that for me. I want that for me. I want a life that's not wasted. I want to do things that matter. I want to do things that impact other people. I, I, um, but I know about myself that I, if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, I'm most satisfied and, and comfortable, and I would be okay sliding into retirement with a decent amount of money in the bank and relatively stable health. That, that's what we want. But is there not something burning inside you that says, like, no, there's more? Like, don't you want more? Don't you want to do something that matters? And not just matters for this world. I'm not talking about, like, um, you know, spending, spending your, your life, like, you know, Devoting yourself to saving pandas or, or you know, giraffe labor birth. I, I, you know, I'm talking about stuff that, that matters for eternity. And I'm not judging you if you watch that, but, but get a life. I'm just, I'm just kidding. My wife watches this. Yeah, moving on. Um, so, so the dilemma... The dilemma for you and I is that if I want to live for eternity, like I've got a problem because that's not natural. That my, my default is selfishness. If I, if I want to live a life that's not wasted, then something is going to need to change because where I land as a human is, is a selfish dude. Where you land left to yourself, where I land left to myself as a guy, as a, as a lady, we default to selfishness. And our main problem is not that we break God's rules. My main problem, if we boil this down and kind of distill down this issue, is that my main issue is that I easily prefer created things over my creator. Your problem, my problem, is that we end up desiring things and loving things and passionate about created things more than we love the creator. And if I'm going to be someone, for me to be a person who impacts eternity, for me to be a person who has a life that makes a difference, then I've got to prefer the creator over the creation. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. That people who make eternal differences with their lives prefer the creator over the creation. The Christianity brochure that some of you guys got is somebody who was probably well-meaning, but the, what was presented to you was that, yeah, become a Christian, go to church, and, you know, money's going to be okay. There's not going to be a whole lot of stress, not going to be a lot of drama. Everybody's going to be nice, and, and Christians are all nice, and they're never hypocrites, and, and your zits are going to clear up. Everything's just going to be, everything's going to be perfect. <laughs> Um, but man, that's just selfish. That's not the way it is. That's not true. I mean, Jesus, Jesus suffered. Jesus was homeless. I mean, he died on the cross for crying out loud. For me to expect that my following Jesus would lead me anywhere else but to dying on a cross is, is ludicrous. Why should I expect to have it easier than him? So to buy in, if you have bought in to what you would see on TV and to a lot of what you would read and hear that, that we would label the health 
wealth and prosperity gospel. It's garbage. It's garbage. Be careful. Be careful what you read. Be careful who you listen to. Now, I get it. It is, it is easy to live selfishly. It is easy. I, I, again, we default to selfish. It is work to live selflessly. It is work to live for Jesus and to follow him. No question about it. Um, I struggle with making me first all the time. That is, that is the easy way for me to go. I wrote a few examples down. Would you like to hear them? So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, in this first one. Anybody who serves with me doing anything here at the church, I have a way that I like things to be done. Um, and by things, I mean like everything. Um, I've given instructions about what fonts that our lyrics are to be typed in. It's called Proxima Nova, if you're interested. You should look it up. It's a really cool font. Um, that, that, like, I, I'm, I'm particular about that, and some of that's selfish, and, and I tend to be... Man, if I, I'll just do it myself because I want it done exactly how I want it. And then you end up stressing yourself out and in the fetal position, you know, because you, you, you're freaking out. Um, so, yeah, that's selfish. I like things the way I like them. Some of you do too. Um, it just so happens, another one is my, my family happens to like uh, Mexican and Italian food. But they never get it because I veto any time they suggest that we would eat anywhere that doesn't serve meat and potatoes. Because I'm American, and <laughs> I want to eat meat and potatoes like God intended. Um, <laughs> call me old-fashioned, but I'm just trying to do what the Bible says. And so my family doesn't get to eat Mexican and Italian food very often. I try to at least once a year be sacrificial, humble myself, and take them in and call ahead about their health grade. Um, and then maybe we'll go eat there if they've got a 97 or above. There's no Mexican restaurant in Loganville that has that, by the way. <laughs> You're going to have to drive if you want that. I also get pretty frugal um, when they want something, when my family wants something, they, they want to spend some money. I'm like, nope, nope, we're saving money. We got, we, you got braces, you got this. We just don't have it right now, hon. And then I'm sitting there on my Amazon app, and I'm a, I see the little gold check mark, Prime, and now all I have to do is swipe. <laughs> I just swipe right. And, and it's at my door. I mean, as soon as I hit order, I'm, I'm at my window. Like, <laughs> is he here? Is he here? And when's the drone delivery going to start? Because I need this now. So selfishness is normal. Man, I, I get it. I'm there. But um, as a follower of Jesus, he says, look, there's a different way. If you want to follow me, there's a different way that you're going to have to live. There's a different way that you're going to have to see things. And you've got to look at life through the filter of eternity, not through the filter of your comfort. Because God's love is, is a perfecting love. The scriptures teach us that God is all about making you and, and, and forming you into the image of his son, Jesus. That I am being made new because if anyone's in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's gone, the new has come. And so the Holy Spirit comes into my heart, in my life, resides within me, and God begins cleaning me up, and he begins changing me. And so there has got to be, there's got to be this pursuit of holiness and a mindset change. I've got to see things through the filter 
of impacting eternity because people who make a difference for eternity are in love with the creator, not the creation. So if I want to change my kids, I want to change my spouse, I want to change my family, I want to change my community, then I, I've got to live this way. I've got to live for Jesus. I've got to follow him. But it's not easy. It's not easy. So what's the solution? What do I do? 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse one, verses 1 through 5. Because the gospel, the gospel is the solution to the problem. The gospel is the solution. Verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, when you uh, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. And by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. This is the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve disciples. So because I have believed the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the Bible says that I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And when I live like that, when I live as a new creation, and when I live with eternity in mind, and when I filter things that I do through loving the creator more than the creation, then it filters out waste. It changes the way I spend my time. It changes the things that I spend my money on. It changes the way I treat people and talk to people. It changes the way where I invest my energy because I've only got so much time and resources and I want my life to matter. And so I'm going to invest my time, my energy, my resources in doing things that matter because eternity matters and I want my life to matter and I want to get to the end of my life and stand before my heavenly father and him be good with it. If, if Jesus were here, I mean, he might say it like this, that um, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's in Luke 12. That, that the one with the most toys doesn't, uh, the one that dies with the most toys doesn't win. And accumulating things, that's not what life is about. Being a good person is not the point of this life I've been given. At the point of this life is to honor my heavenly Father, to follow him, and to shine before the world so that they would see my good deeds and praise my Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 5. So what do you do? What do you do? What changes do we make? Look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking in verse 24. And he says, look, if anyone who would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? This may be the most important description of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the entire Bible. Yet a lot of us 
don't really understand it. And yeah, we get the imagery of the cross and that it's brutal and that, yeah, so apparently life's going to be tough sometimes if I'm going to be a Christian. And we leave it there. But um, the truth is that um, we have got to daily take up our cross. If you're taking notes, here's a few things to write down. What does taking up my cross mean? First thing is it means self-denial. If I'm going to take up my cross, if I'm going to live for eternity, if I'm going to follow Jesus, there's got to be some self-denial. And I've never met anyone who doesn't want to to, um, experience self-fulfillment. But you've got to know that the only path to being fulfilled is self-denial. There's no other way. The Bible is extremely clear that when we deny ourselves temporary pleasure, it may be painful, but it's eternal. And that God, God's not just calling us to deny ourselves things um, to like wreck your lives. Okay? God says, I mean, like, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when, when I was... When I grew up in church, and if you grew up in church, some of us were in these churches where all you ever heard was don't smoke this, don't drink that, don't have sex, don't listen to this kind of music, don't watch rated R movies, and it was just don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do this, don't do that. And it was, it was legalistic, and because you left thinking that God loved you based on how well you did all those things. And so there was a time where I wanted to swing away and rebel against that. And the only place for me to go was grace, obviously, which is good, which is, I I have no life without God's grace. But as a way of rebellion to those people that, that fed me legalism, I went the total opposite direction and just whatever, well, I've, I've got grace, I'll sin. God will forgive me. I've got grace. I'm under grace. And so all of a sudden, there was no pursuit of holiness in my life. There was no desire to walk holy and blameless. And I would love to say things like, it's not about the rules. It's not about the rules. It's about the relationship. Yeah. Well, actually, the Bible's full of rules. And they're good. They protect the relationship. It's not like God said, you know what? Adultery would be good for you. But I'm just going to make a law against it, squelch your fun. No. Don't commit adultery. That's a rule. And it's a good one. Because God knows that if you do that, if you break that rule, you will wreck families and your your spouse. Don't murder. Don't kill anybody. That's a rule. It's a good rule. I like that rule. <laughs> it's not because God was like, well, it'd be a lot of fun for you to kill people, but I'm going to mess up your weekend. No, like he, he, he gives life. He's the one who takes life. He gives it, he gives and, and, and takes away. So I don't want to settle in to that rebellion against legalism in such a way that I and I go on sinning because I've got grace. That is abusive. That is grace abuse. So what I do is I, I'm going to get to know God. I'm going to find out. I better find out what he wants from me. If I believe he's real, I better find out what the heck he wants. 
and I'm going to live for him, and I'm going to pursue him knowing that he loves me, knowing that when I do mess up, and I will this afternoon, that there is grace to cover it. But I am going to try so hard not to break his rules, not because I just want to be a rule follower and get some like heavenly gold star, but I want to say thank you and live a life that honors my heavenly father. That's why I keep the rules, because it protects me. And, and there's just kind of a loss. Nobody, nobody talks about holiness very much. I'm not 100% sure why. But it's, man, it's easy to be selfish and self-absorbed in, in churches. Nobody's going to call you out on that. It would take a lot of guts for me to sit some of you down and be like, uh, hey, you're a selfish jerk. Because uh, you'd be like, stop judging me. Um, and you may be right. Maybe I would be judging you. But by the way, you do need somebody in your life who can tell you when you're being a jerk without you getting your feelings hurt and pouting for a week. Um, like, because you do have blind spots. I do. And God gave me a wife who <laughs> can like, see them all. Um, <laughs> let me help you, Jono. Um, but I'm thankful for that. Like, dude, I, oh my gosh, if I didn't have a wife, man, I would, I would be an idiot. Um, but you need, not, you, need, you need to listen to your spouse. And by the way, men, real quick, while we're here, If your wife never says anything to you that you need to fix, it's because that you have either pouted or been such a jerk, you've not given her permission to speak into your life, and you are killing yourself. If you cannot think of the last time that your wife said, Honey, you need to fix that. 20 selfies a day is too much for a grown man. If your wife is not speaking into your life, you need to, it's because you have closed the door, men. Fix it. Um, and don't, don't pout. Don't get your feelings hurt. Take it. Take it like a man. And I say that. I didn't like read that in a book somewhere, okay? I'm terrible at it. But I'm trying. Deny yourself. Taking up your cross means torture. Sounds fun. Um, <laughs> taking up your cross means torture. Any great achievement requires torture. Athletes, I hear, torture their bodies. Thinkers torture their minds. And we can kind of get that. We, man, I can, I can get that like on, on the physical and, and um, intellectual plane. Okay, that makes perfect sense. You got to torture to be better. But then when it comes to spiritual things, it's like I don't want, I don't want it to be. I, I don't want it to be that way. I don't want it to work that way. But the truth is, just like with physical torture, like no pain, no gain, Spiritually, there's no spiritual gain without some um, suffering, some temporal pain. Get you a tattoo of that. Um, finally, it means death. You have got to die. I have got to die to myself every day. And this is tough. But I've got to get to a place and I've got to strive for a place, and, and day after, it's, it's not like I arrive, okay? That's why this is called the, 
the journey, okay? It's, it's some, there's going to be seasons where this, this is going well. There's going to be other times where I'm battling something, and it's tough, and it's not going well. But I'm going to be pursuing Jesus and pursuing holiness, and I'm not going to just arrive like, boom, I'm holy. Things are great. I died to myself way better than you die to yourself. Follow me. Learn from me. Okay? No, no. We, we have got to die to ourselves day after day after day, morning after morning. I have to wake up and say, you know what? God, today is yours. This is not about me. I've got a lot of plans. If you want to do something different, that's okay. I've got a lot of work I need to get done. And if you want, your, if you want my five kids to inter- interrupt me all stinking day, I will show them some attention. I will try. Um, whatever you want to do, this day is yours. My life is not my own. Whatever you want to do. I, I, have, to, I have to say that like 43 times a day. It means death. And anytime you feel the pain of an insult you got to die to yourself. It's a great opportunity. Anytime somebody picks on you, makes fun of you, embarrasses you, that's a great opportunity to die to your ego. Anytime you are suffering, that is a great opportunity to die to yourself in the area of selfishness. Anytime you, you are hurting through failure or injustice or some physical challenge, some disappointment, it is a great opportunity for you to die to pride and to ego, and to die to sin, and to die to yourself. And so if I'm going to do that, here's a couple practical things real quick. You have got to, and I have got to love, and know, and submit to the Bible. Jesus submitted his will to the Scriptures. He committed his brain to knowing the Scriptures, and he humbled his heart to obey his heavenly Father, through the Scriptures. Maybe, um, look, if you're not a church person, you're checking things out, you haven't been in church that long, totally get it. If you've been in church for a while and you never pick up your Bible, you should start. Maybe a good place to start. There's like 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's 31 days in April. Read a chapter a day. Yes, I know, you'll have to read two today, but you can handle it, okay? Just read a chapter of the Bible a day. If you want an eternal perspective and you want to see what life looks like that matters, read Proverbs. But I've got to come to a place where I love and I know and I submit to his word because I spend a whole lot of time praying and asking God, like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go to college? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to marry? And there's a lot. We spend like 90% of our prayers praying about things that he's already told us in his word. And you'll have people like pray for six months about what college they should go to while not obeying hardly anything in the scriptures. So it makes no sense for me to be praying, saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? When you're not doing the things he's already said. So much of it is already laid out in here. Is God stressing out about Georgia State versus Georgia Southern? I don't know. Maybe he's saying, you just need to pick and go to flipping school. Go, go, do something. I didn't intend for you to pray about it for seven months. Go, as long as it's not immoral, as long as it lines up with the Bible, as long as you are not hurting someone, as long as you are not in sin, then pick a school. Get married. If, as long as they are a b- believer and you're not unequally yoked, as long as they are living for Jesus, pick a wife, fellas. You got to know this. You got to know that you cannot, 
You cannot know what he wants you for your life if you do not spend time in his word. It's just never going to happen. So if you're like struggling and confused and I just don't know what God wants, what does he want? What's he doing? Why isn't he helping me? Well, when's the last time you like read what he, like everything he thinks about everything is right here. Just read it. And I don't mean to be condescending. I, I, sometimes my wife tells me I come across as a little condescending. I say that, again, as somebody who struggles daily reading the Bible. Okay, so when I say just read it, I, I don't mean to sound like a punk, okay, because I struggle, I, I struggle with it, all right? Are you mad? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to offend. Um, but I didn't try not to, actually. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, y'all hungry? Let me get a gun. My stomach's growling. Um, you need to allow your eternity to affect now. You need to allow eternity and how you see eternity and the knowledge that I am going to spend eternity singing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I'm not going to spend eternity living out the 90s song by audio adrenaline coming to my father's house it's a big house with lots and lots of food and there's a big yard where we can play football and lots and lots of all that you know that is not heaven revelation talks way more about you and i worshiping for eternity than it even talks about things like the rapture or, or all the end of the world stuff that, that we get wrapped up in it's it's about worship i don't know how it's all going to play out i'm just going to follow jesus around and sing to him okay I, but I need to prepare for that by living for eternity right now. And living for eternity right now means that I please God. I live according to his precepts, according to his commands, and I'm going to do it so because I love him. We always want to please those that we love. And if I love him, I'm going to please him. I'm going to obey him. Jesus said himself, look, in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You will do what I have said to do. You will avoid the things that I have said do not have a place in the life of my followers. Okay? So I can't say that I love him if I'm not doing anything he says to do. And I can't do anything he says to do if I never read anything he says to do. So ultimately, I cannot really love God like I say I love him if I don't even know what he wants me to live like. And, and let me just say, look, um, and I, I, we need to be together. Jesus died for the church. This is his church. You are his bride. And so while we need to be together and we need to be committed to being together on Sundays as the local church, this ain't going to cut it when it comes to truly following Jesus wholeheartedly. This hour we spend together is not enough. It's not enough for you. It's not enough for your kids back there. And they're awesome, but it ain't going to do, it ain't going to cut it. Those are not like God lessons back there. It's not like you had soccer practice on Thursday, piano on Friday. Now we've got our God lessons on Sunday. That's not enough. They got to be hearing it from you. They've got to be seeing you read your Bible. They've got to know the word. They've got to be hiding it in their heart because it's only going to change them and affect them and change you and affect you if it's every day. 
Because if I love Jesus, I'll keep his commands. And the only way that I'm going to know what he wants me to do is by knowing his word. And I'm going to learn his word from Pastor Ken on Sunday morning. I'm going to learn his word um, on, on Friday night in my community group. My kids are going to learn his word there. But when we're together, it needs to come up. I'm not saying there needs to be like 7 o'clock. That's our family devotion every night. But it needs to come up in the car. It, we, we need to talk about it. It needs to come up. I want my life to matter. I know you want your life to matter. In lives that matter for eternity, lives that matter for eternity are lives that prefer the creator over the creation. And my Savior died that I may have life, and we're about to celebrate that in Easter. And, and that life that he wants to meet is, is surrendered to knowing him and to loving him and obeying him, and that is life. And I struggle with wanting people to like me and like the stuff that I put on social media, and you do too, and I struggle with wanting to be liked and applauded, but the truth is the only focus, the only applause that I should desire, I should live my life focused on the applause of two nail-scarred hands. Let's pray. Father, you are all that matters. And if we love you, we're going to do what you say. And the things you have said to us that you want us to do, God, we confess and we believe that you, have, you are a good, good father. You love us. And these things, these rules, these exhortations we see in the scriptures are not designed to make us boring. They're not designed to make us feel left out. They're designed so that we could have life and have life to the full. Because we've read in your word that the thief, the enemy, the devil comes to steal our lives and steal our joy. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy and mess up everything in our lives. That is his ultimate purpose. And your purpose is that we would have life and have it to the full. But the only way that we are truly going to experience a full life is to submit that life, surrender every single morning, and die to ourself so that we can live for you. And yeah, there may be some temporary pain, but it's going to end in eternal, in eternal gain. God, we live for you. Our lives are yours. Do what you want. In Jesus' name.